Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. A um, few things I have to say. One is we personally are involved both as a lifestyle, a ketogenic diet, but also through my 16 years of clinical practice of what is effective. What do people need to take sometimes, all the time, to support their ketogenic diet? You'll get bits and pieces of this ongoing week after week. It's important to be comprehensive. In one way, it's simple. and one way, it's a little bit complicated. Welcome back, everybody, for the next episode of the Keto Naturopath. Hey, this is Dr. Carl Goldkamp, and today we have another, which I think uh, is a very special interview. They're all special. But this is a person who came from, I'll say, outside the industry. If if uh, medicine and the ketogenic diet is an industry, uh, he came from, I mean, his education is, not only is he from outside the United States and has made a huge impact in the United States, but he's from South Africa, and he's went to high school outside of Johannesburg, and just for a little geography, that's way inland in terms of South Africa. Um, he speaks with a very interesting accent. And um, his formal education was engineering and computer science. And so you go, well, well, why are we talking to him? We're talking to him because he has done something which nobody else has done in the U.S. per my, per my witness, and that is he stitched together uh, a series of conferences that happens annually on both bi-coastal Florida and California, talk a little more about that later, with all the professionals internationally. He has them coming from Scandinavia, from South Africa, certainly from the U.S., from Canada, uh, researchers, doctors, health practitioners. And the interesting thing is, often the most influential, the most actionable person you can hear present is the person that has their own story where they came from, not somebody who spent 20 years academically and you know collates all the different studies but somebody who has their journey that they can share where they were before. Dr. Noakes did that in South Africa, for sure. He's obviously a doctor, but it's the combination of that that is very good. Anyway, I spoke too long. Doug Reynolds, welcome, and thanks for the work you've been doing. We're going to bend your ears on a lot of different things today. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. So my first question is, you know, you didn't assign yourself a small task. You know, you're, you're from South Africa, you start this conference called Low Carb USA. It's in West Palm. It's in San Diego. And you have to do a lot of work. You have to do the fundraising. But that's this passionate mission, which is no small thing. And what drove this? What is your story that made you want to do this? Well, Carl, you know, I, I think anybody that's that's really involved in this um in this business has, has all started with a personal story. And um, mine was, to, in a nutshell, was I was a, a relatively good athlete, not a not an elite athlete, but but pretty good. And I was a uh, distance runner. I started to really battle in, as I got older and started to put on a bit of weight and just thought I was getting lazy because I, you know, was, was putting on this little bit of weight every year. Um, and just getting really depressed about the whole thing. And someone introduced me a few years ago to the, the concept of ketones being an alternative source of fuel to glucose. And as, a, as an athlete that was really battling at the time, that kind of tweaked my attention. And so I started researching it. Being an engineer, that's what I do. Um, and it kind of made sense. It explained all the problems I was having now. It explained even the problems I was having back in my early 30s when I was running these ultra marathons that, um, you know, I would be really, really fit. And a few days before the race, I'd follow Tim Noakes' advice and, and do a bunch of carbon loading for the, for the three days before and felt like absolute rubbish on the day and could never understand why. And that, so I'd explained that as well. And I, and I after about three weeks of, of research, I basically – Believed everything that I'd read, and I and I pulled the trigger, and I and I started doing this um, this ketogenic diet, and it just turned my life around. Uh, absolutely, in five months, I lost thirty five pounds. I was back to my fighting weight that I used to be back when I was in my early thirties. Um, I was running again. All the inflammation in my knees had cleared up. It was just the most astounding um, transformation, and. I was sitting, it was my birthday in, in, in January and we, had, we were in a restaurant and I was busy talking with Pam and we were talking about this and going on about, you know, the, the whole banting thing in South Africa, um, which it's a phenomenon there because of Tim. And 
you know, what what's happening in Sweden um, with, with the, the guidelines changing there and the low-carb down under uh, organization down in Australia and all these things were going on around the world. And I, you know, my understanding was like, with the um, Ansel Keys and the McGovern Commission in 1977, we introduced this dilemma <laughs> in the first place here, you know, in America. And I felt like we needed to try and be a part of, of the solution in, in trying to fix that. And I was pounding my fist saying to Pam, you know, we need to put a thousand people in the room. We need to get this message out beyond the bubble. I was so so passionate and motivated about it because of the difference that it made to me and, and I could I just see in the streets every day so many people that you just want to stop them and talk to them and say hey listen I can I can help you seriously um, and it's hard not to do that sometimes actually um, yeah, and so you know we had a lot of experience putting on um, conferences uh, with the with the business that I that I was in at the time but nothing in this space I'd never even been to a low carb conference and I didn't know anybody, and I just started writing to people like Gary Taubes and Steve Finney and um, uh, Jimmy Moore and just said, hey, if I wanted to do something like this, would you be interested? And they all came back and said, sure, you put this on, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. And it just took off from there. I mean, I didn't, you know, we, we had nothing. Built a website, established a social media presence, uh, put on a conference in six months it was it was pretty astounding if i look back at it and we didn't put a thousand people in the room but we got i don't know 320 mm -hmm. and it was still i had i i had to accept as a as a perfectionist that um that was still pretty good for six months and um you know we doubled it last year to 600 odd hoping to do a lot better than that this year and and it's just grown now we've We've got another one in San Francisco in, in um, That's right. November, and we've, we've already had two East Coast ones in Florida. We've even been approached to put one on in Jakarta in Indonesia, which we, we look <laughs> That's great. getting to do in April next year. So Wow. Wow. That's amazing. It, right. The world is, is not too small for you. That I've obviously seen this grown. Uh, the one that you have coming up in San, in San Diego uh, this July, that is... It's got to be your largest. It's certainly, uh, at least in looking at all the speakers, it's it's huge. It's the uh, it's quite a cache of knowledge. And 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 so this is your third year there. That that has kind of blown the doors open. I think you're like way over the top now, aren't you? I mean, this is quite a success at that location. Yeah, I think so. And you know, that is our flagship event, I must say. And yep. um, you know, we've got three breakout rooms this year, including as as well as the main hall. Um, and um, some amazing speakers, including, you know, world champion distance runners like Zach Bitters coming to talk about his low-carb, high-fat training uh, regimen and um, just some incredible um, sideline um, talks and stuff as well. Um, you know, and, and the stuff like introducing yoga in the mornings and runs and all that kind of stuff, we... Um, we haven't sort of started doing that at, at some, any of the other conferences yet, but we, we really go to town with the San Diego one. Nice, nice. Let me pull back a little bit because people are thinking, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people discount my perspective because once you're a doctor, that's they're saying, well, you're 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 already over there, you already know this information, and so on and so forth. When you decided to get started, what was the recipe you followed? What was the you know how did you put it together? What was and that's a real key thing. Where do you get started? Because some people get started and they go, I, I don't know, I can't do this, blah, 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 blah. We didn't, I really struggled to find um, information about how to get started, to be honest. Um, uh, we knew that we had to cut the carbs down. And at that stage, you know, the, the recommendation was to try and get it under 50 grams a day. And I, I just started cutting stuff out and kind of keep track of it in my head. Um, and hit a plateau pretty quickly and finally started putting stuff into it into a tracking tool and was horrified to find out all the stuff that i thought was really low in carbs it wasn't and um yeah i just we just learned went along and learned but you know by our mistakes and as part of the reason that we um 
we developed a, a, a coaching course on our site that you know that basically takes people through to to try and help people not come you know have all the all the stumbles and stuff that that we came across um, and then you know um, we're doing a lot of work with the Knox Foundation now as well to try and um, do some kind of training. You noticed you um, you've actually just signed up for it because the um, this online CME approved course for for practitioners, but we're trying to introduce one for um, for the layperson as well um, to to help coach them um, in terms of making sure that they get all the right information because that's one of the problems here is that it's you know as this whole phenomenon takes off, um, a lot of people are running around with uh, bad information, and so I think it's important to try and. Uh, get the right information into people's hands so that they they go about this the right way. No, absolutely. A couple of points you just mentioned. Once about the personal, it's like you, and this is classic. You know, people thinking that they're on keto until you ask them to track it and and to really do the tedious, boring stuff first. That's where the reality is of what they really need to be shifting to. So uh, that's a really that's an actionable point that needs to happen, at least per my view. And people. You know, ask about a question. I agree. What are your macros? Have you calculated them? Have you tracked your glucose and ketones? You know, give me some data. Let's let's talk about. It. And they hadn't done any of these. I, well, then it's. I think it's really important. I, I, you know, some people say, "Oh, tracking's not you know calories. You can eat whatever you want." I, I I disagree. I think that tracking is really really important, even if it's if it's just to give you um, a view of of what it is that you that you're eating, so that you understand it. After a while, after you've done it for a while, yeah, maybe you don't need to track it all the time. In fact, I. I sort of phased out of actually checking it myself recently, but but I know I know now when I look at something when I when I look at what's on my plate I pretty much know what's what's on that plate in terms of macros, and and so once you have that inherent knowledge you can you can uh, you can go it alone. But I think to to understand in the beginning what it is that you're putting into your body is is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to jump around here because I can. Back to the CME course. I did start the CME course, and I would say the whole thing is worth even the first hour. You know, I'm not through it, but the first hour of Tim Noakes talking to wherever he's talking to, it's like it's a summary. It 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 is summary of all these different pieces, and it's not just medical. Uh, even though he's a doctor, and his story is amazing anyway, and he is a really neat guy. Um, but that is so comprehensive. I mean, you could say, hey, I, that's it. I, I got my money's worth. And then there's uh, Dr. Westman after that, uh, which is equally good. Uh, and it goes on and on. So it's very focused. And the reason I'm saying this now is because there's a number of doctors in our uh, small Facebook group that are interested in this. And they don't want to learn just anecdotally of um, post to post to post from person to person to person. Um, but yeah, no, this is, I, I, I thought, wow, this is excellent. And I was half serious when I posted you back saying there should be an internship here, <laughs> you know, you know, going on location with some of these people would be mind blowing. But, um, you know, I, 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 I agree. We don't know where this is going to go. I know last month, a couple of months ago, we were in, um, Tasmania actually went and stayed with Gary and Belinda Fecky and Belinda's whole thing was, she called it an immersion. And um, she, we were also talking there about having, having you know, a five days or a week or something where people could come and stay. And we have a few of these um, celebrity, knowledgeable people, you know, that, that um, are well-respected in the community. And they get to spend time, like in a whole week with these people. And we have cooking classes and we, we teach people, um, you know, where we can sit around and just chat about um, about the, the, the low-carb philosophies and, and the importance of it and, and the, you know, the troubles and every, the, all the conversations mm -hmm. that, can, that can come around that that you'd wish that you could have with all some of these speakers. Right. Most people never get the chance to do. And so I think there's a, there's, there's a place for, for things like that. Um, and, and we already is looking at trying to uh, implement something like that down the road with Belinda. Absolutely. Well, count me in. Need any help? I mean, I just think that that's very, very important. Uh, and it 
it unifies everything. It allows the local practitioner to jump out of their context of maybe antagonistic responses. And I say this as a naturopath, we kind of live with that. And to go to a, a universal truth immediately and just sort of decompress and share that uh, with person who's had great success. You led me right to what I was going to ask you about going to Tanzania and Dr. Fetke. It's like, can can you uh, reiterate a little bit of his story? I mean, that's that's an amazing story as well. I mean, th- this is this is who you are. You are the raconteur of the ketogenic uh, world because you have all these stories that are mind blowing in and of themselves. So, can you summarize a little bit of his? Because I thought I knew him a little bit, but it wasn't until. Yeah. You... Go ahead. Uh, he's he is such is a, a fantastic person and has an, a you know fantastic story as well. And and again. And our personal experience that brought him into this, he's a orthopedic surgeon, and a lot of the work that he's doing is fixing and treating, um, you know, diabetic ulcer, ulcers and stuff on, in, on people's feet. And in the end, normally ending up cutting, you know, having to amputate the limb and wondering what the hell are we doing wrong? That that this is, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. You know, the numbers that, that of people that he was seeing were just increasing at this massive rapid rate. And then he got diagnosed um, with a brain tumor, and it was wrapping itself around his optic optic nerve. And so he um, he was losing his sight. It, and as a surgeon, that's kind of a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Was <laughs> uh, that a meningioma, by the way? Do I? Yeah, you know, the the uh, medical term for it, I'm not 100% sure with. I could check with him, but um, okay. I don't even remember him ever mentioning it. But um, he had two different surgeries, and it just wasn't um, it wasn't improving. It was just getting worse. And he found out about this. Um, well, it was some. It was somebody that was talking about. It was an article about metformin uh, controlling blood sugar or something for for diabetes and his thought was or something for that it helped with cancer and he was already on a bunch of different medications and so he didn't want to take another one and so he thought well why don't i just not eat the sugar you know why don't why do i need to take a drug to control it why do i just why don't i just not eat it and then i won't have to control it that was his thought process and, and so that's what he did. Initially, all he did was cut out sugar and read a bit more and realized he had to introduce something. And he started, you know, adding some fats in. And his tumors, his tumors uh, stopped growing and cleared up. And in fact, the, the, the day we went, we flew into Tasmania and his wife, Belinda, picked us up at the airport and we were driving around picking up a couple of supplies and that for dinner. And he phoned her while we were in the car. And it was, um, he had just got back his, uh, his annual uh, scan report that, uh, that for this was the sixth year now that, that he was totally clear. He was he was pretty excited about mm, that. Mm. Didn't realize we were even in the car at the, at the time. But it was it was cool <laughs> to be it was cool to be a part of that experience. You know, to to realize that we just we take it for granted, but but like it's a big deal. And you know, even he was even saying afterwards, like a couple of days before, he even felt like he he got a couple. You know, he started to get headaches and almost like it was psychosomatic or something. Like he, he was waiting for the results and and that nervousness or something translate into, you know, uh, some kind of weird um, results. And so um, when, when he got the results, he was, he was really excited about it. Um, but so he started now introducing it to his patients. And, you know, he said, look, try and stop eating the sugar. But for, for the most part, at least try and introduce the tr- every day. Try and eat two eggs and a piece of cheese. That was his, that was his um, advice to them. And these people, the, the people that listened to him, started to turn around. The people's diabetes was going away, um, and it just had incredible success. 
until he got um, reported by some dietitian to uh, to the medical board there in Australia, and he's actually been been banned. He's not allowed because he's not a nutritionist. He's not allowed to talk to his patients about nutrition at all. Um, at least that's that, that's the um, the ruling. But um, I, I believe that he's still, you know, he's refusing to lie down because he reckons, you know, the bullying is one thing, but but when it actually affects the, the quality of care of my patients, right. the, the buck's got to stop there, you know. And so he's making a stand like Tim Noakes. You yep. know, he's, he's, he's I, I don't know, while we were there, he would, worked out that he spent, Something like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars already, just on on trying to defend himself against all these all these suits that are brought against him. It's just crazy. That's amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, both those stories are kind of very similar. Does does he sort of has he become uh, skeptical? I guess is the nicer word in terms of what the motivation of the opposition is does he sort of see it as big pharma or it's the food industry or it's the government it's the lobbying um does he does he go there and saying you know these guys have such deep pockets i'm i'm they're going to cream me or he says you know i i have to i'm david and i just have to keep throwing rocks until it until it gets done i mean what's what's his perspective on that yeah i, I think he sees it in fact i, I um he's, he's got another he and Belinda, actually Belinda um, did a lot of research and found out about this. And it's, it's something that is even, it goes even deeper than, um, than farmer and money. And, and um, there's kind of religious connotations to it as well. And we don't want to go into it too much until Belinda has, Belinda wants to, to get all her ducks in a row before we, we blow the lid off this one. But I have interviews that I did with him in Tasmania about this, that we will, put out on our blog in, in a couple of months um, once all of this stuff's in place. But but for the most part, um, yes, it's 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 pharma and and, and um, uh, the sugar industry and the grain industry and all the money that's behind that is is and but I mean it's what it's been doing for the since um, Steve Finney was has been trying to do this for uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years, and they've been they've been trying to crash him, you know, from back then already. Um, Gary, I, I was amazed to see that that he's he's um, I don't he's not afraid of it. And um, Gary Tubbs? No, uh, Gary Fetke. Oh, Fetke, okay. So, so he's he's not gonna he's not gonna back down. And I, I, um, I you know, and and what he's doing is. Pay, uh, you know, paving the way for paving the way for for others that want to to follow suit who um, are too afraid to do it because of of the persecution that they're going to endure. And I don't know. I, I hope you don't mind if I, if I digress here a little no, bit. But one of the all. things that, that Gary Taubes, um, uh, what's the word? He he suggested that we introduce this, and we are doing it this year at at our conference in San, in San Diego is after his talk we've got an like I don't know like a 75 minute um, session to end the day and we're having an, an open discussion with um, all the practitioners that, that that are there to try to understand what we need to do to establish a standard of care for uh, the low-carb lifestyle in terms of and i i think that's one of the big things is so many of the doctors are afraid of doing something because if something does go wrong they they're liable and and because they're not following what's considered the standard of care and um adele height is actually going to be leading that that forum and she was involved in a court case quite recently and you know the the standard of care is 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 actually not a a document, and it, the judge actually had to explain to the to the jury in that was that the standard of care is um, like almost like an agreed upon um, methodology that's sort of agreed upon by the 
the majority of the people that are practicing right. in that field. So if we have to, if we have to now look at all the people that are practicing low carb, then that's a field. And so if we can, if we can uh, establish a a methodology in terms of, you know, how to monitor it and how to, you know, deal with medications and coming off medications and all these different things that that that, that can be involved with doctors and their patients. If we can establish that, we can eventually have a standard of care that now is an, is an established thing. And therefore, doctors and practitioners that want to come in have something that they can follow that, that gives them some kind of protection against, you know, malicious. Uh, yep. No, that's a very big deal. I mean, medicines are prescribed for, I mean, wrong and powerful medicines are often prescribed only because it's the standard of care for that particular uh, case and that particular um, specialty, you know, and even though they might have uh, thoughts against it, they are kind of prevented from acting on their conscience and having to prescribe these things. I mean, it's, it's the case again and again, this would be great. So that would be a, a shield you would give them saying, no, it's pretty established. This is certainly Dr. Westman and a number of others would be great to, you know. Yeah. So, so basically, I mean, it's, it's, Eric is, is talking first and then Gary Tobbs and then this session. That's, that's that, that afternoon. It's going to be great. <laughs> Gary, I mean, Eric, Dr. Westman, um, and our thing in, in the last session in uh, in Florida, when people are coming up and open, asking open questions, and his comments very often was, "Yeah, but that's for a carb eater," and and that goes to this whole thing was all these um, so-called standards of care are for carb eaters, and they don't apply necessarily to people that don't eat carbs, and so that's why it's so important that we that we have. Um, a standard that that's accepted for people that, that don't eat carbs. You know, that's such a good point. He does bring that up. Uh, I think I saw it at the low carb uh, and other conferences I listening to talk. It's like, you know, people would ask a question and the question was based on either call it standard of care, the lab, the research, or on the context of, in essence, standard American diet, which is a, certainly a lot higher carbs and perhaps even high fat as well, which is disastrous, but certainly the higher carbs. And within that, all... All, all the numbers, whether it's, you know, lipids or enzymes or thyroid or hormone panels, they're all altered. You know, they're, they're all based on that world. And uh, there was somebody who got up asked about Alzheimer's and genetic predisposition. And, and I remember uh, Dr. Westman said, well, that's, that's in that world. Yeah, those genes perhaps are, you know, uh, predispositions in that world. That might not be an issue in this world. And, and it takes a while for people to get that, that Basically, all the labs are nearly irrelevant or, or drastically different. You know, I mean, thyroid is up in the air. People go, oh, my thyroid drops down. Well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, maybe that's exactly what it should have been doing. You know, um, and you can go on from there. Hormones and so on and so forth. You know, you pick the little thing and saying, well, it's different here and that. Oh, my gosh. It's like, no, actually, you're in the right direction. But it is taking a step, I wouldn't say into the wilderness, but there isn't the plethora of data of uh, of keto people and their labs i mean it's it's starting certainly with uh Verta health and then with heads up health the way you know is this you know these tsunamis of information hopefully will 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 hit and we'll be able to draw some conclusions from it in that regard but yeah i i was surprised a number of times you would say that it's like well no that's in that world that that's it you can't transfer that truth here and that's important that we that it gets established that that's the case though and at the moment it's not Right. It is very difficult. I would say the question has come up a number of times to me saying, I'm hypothyroid. Should I do keto? My answer is always yes. You know, it's like follow this, but it, it is about saying, well, you know, if you're treated, being treated by your endocrinologist and he's treating you in that world and you're hypo and you're putting on your meds, you're going to have to, you know, he'll have to be educated because you may feel better, but it will probably go lower. And, and the whole thyroid thing. But, um, what a great point. Yeah, I mean, that's the synergy of the conference is unique to how you have set it up. In other words, um, I don't know if you've been to other medical conferences, but it's not that synergistic. It's you're there to listen to three or four people talk. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. Some of you go out in the hall to talk about, you know, whatever, to catch up on relationships. Um, 
your conferences are not that way. It, it is, there is a bigger, I'll say, I've used that word story a lot. There's a bigger sort of conclusion story that evolves out of the conference if you've attended the lectures. I mean, now you have breakout sessions, so you can't be everywhere at the same time, but that's the thing you come away with. You know, yeah. not, not well, I'll the, just interrupt, but the breakouts are, are really just um, all through lunchtime and in the evening before dinner. So nice. it, doesn't, it doesn't compete with the main stage at all. Nice, nice. So I think I said this to you in person is that it's how you slice these together. It's how you put the sandwich together of these speakers after speakers, the carbless sandwich um, that you come away with. I'd never thought of these different things. You know, I, I, I came away uh, with a number of speakers about, um, you know, I wasn't zero carb a couple of years ago. And I thought that's such an extreme way to eat. And now I've been this way since actually low carb February and, um, my labs are fine. I'm actually better. Uh, and it's like, in many ways, and so is my wife, who has a similar story to Dr. Fecky of the uh, brain tumor, the angioma. Um, and it's like, I would have not thought of jumping that far had I not heard from two or three people. And I know not every keto person saying zero carb, but uh, it's in that world of ideas that come up because you attend a conference and you get to say, hmm, what about that? You know? Yeah. Totally. I mean, I did that interview with Stephen Melody Barons, who were actually at that conference too, who um, did it for a month because they they do like they have like a coaching platform, and they didn't want to they wanted to actually see what it was like before they commented on it. And it's been I don't know six seven months now, and they they they've just kept doing it because they like it so much and they feel so much better. And it's just you know, it's not. It's not necessarily for everyone, but it's definitely something that uh, that can be considered. And what's what's amazing to me is that there's no supplementation required. That they get everything they need from the the food that they're eating, which is you know mainly <laughs> mainly meat. Um, it's it's actually quite amazing. It is. It, it is. It's one of those things that um, you had the effects first, and at least for me, and then you go back saying, so why is this so good? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I came from, so my med school was uh, seven years in the 90s and I got out at uh, 90, 98, 99 and other things, uh, environmental medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, et cetera, and acupuncture. But so it was all, it was, it was strongly herbal, we'll say, strongly vegetarian in terms of diet. It was all about food quality, of course, you know, you cut the crap out and everybody get an improvement. We were very, uh, at least I was very anti-dairy only because of the, of the results that I saw. Um, and so now I come into this world and it's like, hundred. Well, whenever I heard, first heard this idea of 100% meat, for the most part, um, and you go, seriously? Are these just lazy people? I mean, is this like dumbing down? And you realize, no, actually, they're way ahead of the curve. They're smarty pants, <laughs> you know? So uh, uh, Many of these comments is like a, a ribeye steak every night never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit that. That is so true. You know, it's so funny. I mean, in back of my mind, by the way, Doug, it's like somehow that we need to have a naturopathic conference. And I don't mean it be that as a little click. It's just that, you know, I won't say they're the antithesis because there are a number of NDs, as you know, and it's at least uh, I think Natasha uh, has um, mispronounced her name, um, has spoke at uh, low car, but there's very few. Yeah, Natasha, thank you. Um, has spoke at low car, and, but there's very few of us. And it's almost like... Um, we should have a part of the AAMP, which is the annual meeting, to have a few key speakers or even a separate conference because uh, that would light up uh, that would light up the rest of the United States completely. <laughs> anyway, oh, well. and that, we'll talk about that later. Totally. Oh, what's that? I said, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I never know where this is going to go, where the next idea of, of the next good thing to do here as this whole organization grows. It's pretty brilliant. It is pretty brilliant. Um so you got back from Tanzania and we're kind of wait for the release of the other videos. That's Tasmania. That, Tasmania. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I know you're talking to an ignorant American, right? This, <laughs> you know, can't be smart and everything. Um, I got Scandinavia down though. Um, lived there for a while, but so you got back to Tasmania for an interview. Mm -hmm. It's like, you obviously have no geographic limits. So where would be, you know, have you been up to Scandinavia for your interview? Unbeknownst to me, I have no doubt, but that must be a part of your plans. I I haven't been. I would I would definitely love to go. Um, 
I know Andreas is coming out to talk again, um, Andreas Einfeld. Um, he's, he's mentioned a couple of times that I should come and, and come over there and join him and, and do some stuff there. So I, I at some point, I'm sure, um, we'll, we'll end up there as well. The next big thing, as I mentioned at the beginning, is um, Indonesia um, next year in April. We're going to put on a, a big conference there in, uh, in Jakarta. Um, you know, and then see see where it goes from there because people come out of the woodwork and approach me about doing stuff all the time. You know, let me explore that a little bit. I, I lived in Indonesia uh, back before I was in medicine. I was in the oil field. So I, I worked in Jakarta uh, for a number of years and uh, out in the Java Sea and other places. And <clears throat> it was pretty interesting, pretty dangerous. But, uh, and the world has changed. So when you say Indonesia, I go, Wow, that's not exactly the same as uh, Johannesburg, Cape Town, uh, San Diego, uh, West Palm. It's it, it, Jakarta's huge, and uh, Java, by the way, is the most densely populated place on Earth. Um, and so the population's there, but I, I, I never thought there would be a clarity of let's get the message out for the people in Jakarta. It was always you know the ultimate, very very wealthy, and then the very very poor for the most part. Right. So they, I mean, I was approached by, by a guy just out of the blue and again, an electrical engineer, just like me, um, who, who got it and decided like, Hey, he needs to, to, um, to teach the doctors about this. And that's what he does now. He's, he's got a network of about 400 doctors already that, that, that are actively, you know, have, have brought this up. Uh, or, or taken this on as a, you know, as a, as a, at least an option in their practice, and um, the, the excitement about it is 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 incredible. And um, yeah, I think this conference is going to be pretty amazing and um, very far-reaching. And I also found that the the doctors seem to be more open to to the conversation than here. Um, and, and especially from someone who's not a medical practitioner, because that uh, the interview, the latest one of the latest blogs that I put out here, where I spoke with Peter Bruckner in in Australia as well, and I, you know I was talking to him and saying like I've learned so much about this stuff that I can teach these people, but because I'm not a doctor, they blow me off and they not they they won't listen to me. But if a doctor talks to them and and tells them this, they they're more inclined to listen and, and 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 it but it doesn't seem to be like that in indonesia like um tio is 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 finding that he he you know he, he puts on these seminars and talks all around the country and and people are flocking to it to come and listen to him even though he's an electrical engineer hmm. so um it's it's an interesting dynamic absolutely uh it's kind of like uh, kind of like you are definitely I would have thought more KL, but anyway, you start where you start and wherever the enlightenment, it grows from there. That's amazing. There's certainly the population there and therefore uh, you have the medicine. Well, that is fascinating. Um, if, if you were to look back, I mean, I, I, I always find it odd that you're even at any one location for more than a week or so when I look at all that you've done and where these are, and I know the work at just the conferences are, and then you pop off to these different interviews, is that this is a bit unfair, but who would be kind of one of the most influential people on your learning path? You know, you now have, you probably know more people in this field than anybody I know because of what you do. Do you look back and go, you know, there was a few people that made me look at something, even if it's an internal, yeah, go ahead. I, I suppose when I first started um, researching all of this stuff, you know, to decide for myself whether I was going to actually take it on, um, I think Steve Finney, um, I, I read his book, Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, and his and Jeff's one about uh, performance. Um, so those two guys were, were very influential. And it was about three months into us doing this, and we were keeping it really quiet, you know, because you don't want, it's so off the wall that you don't want to tell anybody, just kind of do it on the sly. Um, and I was about three months into into it that now we were really I was really starting to to notice great improvements and stuff. And so I fessed up and I told my my folks about it. And 
my mom sort of said, no, that sounds like the thing that, that Tim Noakes is doing, that dancing thing. <laughs> and I had, I had been away from South Africa for so long that, and, and Tim Noakes is like my hero as a distance runner. Yep. He, he, he's written the law of running, which is like the runner's Bible. Yep. Um, but it's all about carb loading. And I had no idea that he had had this epiphany and had, had done a 180 and everything. And I was actually looking it up online while we were still on the phone to my mom. And the, the fact that he is so passionate about this and I've, you know, I've, I've interviewed him on Skype and then I've been to see him in Cape Town um, and um, now working with his foundation uh, quite a lot. Yeah. It's just, I, I think he's definitely one of the, one of the great influences for, mm -hmm. for me. Yep. Um, maybe I'm a bit biased because I'm also South African. I don't know, mm -hmm. but um, I feel like he's a giant in, in, you know, in the academic world. And so, um, when, when he, when he decided, when he looks at something like this and, and, and takes it on, um, I feel like he's worth, he's worth following. Um, and to be honest with you, the three days that we spent in Tasmania with, with Gary Fecky and his wife, Belinda, um, those, those two, I think will prove to be massive influences in, in, in what we do going forward. They're just the most incredibly motivated, um, intelligent, and just wonderful people with their hearts in the right place. And, and, the, and the courage, you know, they have the courage that I wish I had kind of thing um, to, to stand up for what they believe in and, and um, you know, make something happen. And I, I really feel like we're going to, you know, ride their coattails and, and, and be a part of helping them mm -hmm. to change the world. Were you surprised, by the way? I mean, so you knew you had you're going to go and interview them and uh more time and more exposure to people you care about makes the you know it makes it even a more valuable experience for sure but did you go with one sort of thought of yeah this is what we're going to cover or, or I, I want to cover just these three points and then and then we can just enjoy them as people and then you came away with wow look what we got out of this it was a whole different thing did you have one yeah. of those it, it was it was you know i mean i didn't know them at all i i I, and in fact, I wrote to Belinda because Gary had been gagged, right? So I didn't think I'd be able to, hmm. to interview him. And um, I got hold of Belinda said, hey, I'm going to be in Australia because my whole family's actually moved to Australia now. So I actually went there to visit my family. Mm -hmm. And since I'm going to be in Australia, um, and it's not a huge hardship to pop over and, and, and come and talk to you guys, I'd love to do an interview. And she said, great. And... Um, and, and yeah, what I thought about was I just, I, I was going there to talk about the persecution part and, and, you know, um, really a follow-up story to, to what's going on with Tim Nobbs. But I, I called her like a, a week or, or actually sent her a message about a week before we were going to go there and said, Hey, okay, do you want to give me your address? Cause we're going to rent a car and, and, um, uh, you know, you need to know how to get to your place. And uh, she she said, "No nonsense, man. We only live like twelve minutes from the airport. Cancel the car, cancel the hotel, you can come, <laughs> come and stay with us." I mean, I'd, honestly, I'd, I'd written, I'd had like two or three email conversations with her, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. They and she's, oh yeah, and, and Gary's off that weekend, so you you could probably use our other car if you want to go around the island. And, and it was just wow. Uh, ah, yeah, it was just the most mind-blowing, mm -hmm. warm reception. Yeah, and she picked us up from the airport on the Friday of Friday just before lunch, and they dropped us off again at on Sunday night, like late, for us to fly back. And I, I don't think we stopped talking for two and a half days. It was, it was just the most incredible conversation that just never stopped and uh, you know, i with her in for the first few hours and then gary came back from work and so right through the whole weekend the what i learned from them about about low carb and ketogenic and just about life in general and just the most amazing amazing people 
Um, and so, you know, that kind of is reflected a little bit in some of the, the, the interviews that I did with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, yeah, I just can't say enough about, about those two and what they, what they're doing for this, uh, for this community. I have no doubt. Is, I take it that, uh, that he's, uh, connected now with Tom Siegfried. I mean, it's a, I mean, at least personally, or, or is he just shutting himself down because of his own issues? No, but I'm, I'm sure he's, no, no, he, I'm, I'm sure he, he's, he's talking. I know he's very, very, uh, um, close with and, and works a lot with, um, uh, what's his name? Lustig. Um, uh, yep. Yep, I see the picture. I don't know his first name, but Dr. Well, yeah, Leslie Right, his first name escapes me right now, which is embarrassing because he's speaking at my conferences. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um, but anyway, um, so he's between. I, I think Lustig and 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 Noakes are the two two people that he's um, been leaning on the most with with all his legal problems and stuff, but. He, he's not like, because when I said to Belinda, I'm assuming I'm only going to be interviewing you. And she said, no, Gary will, Gary does interviews. He won't be silenced. <laughs> and um, he's uh, he's definitely speaking out still. Um, and like he's, in, I think it was when he was interviewed on the, the Magic Pill. That, that, mm-hmm. um, yep. And they, they asked him there about, um, you know, the fact that he he can lose his license at any minute if they if they decide that that's what they want to do, but he believes in this strongly enough that uh, he's prepared to risk that. Right, right. Speaking of the magic pill and Australia, uh, you you've seen that whole sort of uh, drama sort of play out. I mean, you you've heard of that? It's like Netflix. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. Can you believe that? Um, but it's it's the same thing, you know. It's it's people from the Heart Association that that are advising that that people shouldn't be allowed to watch this because they might they might kill themselves. It's just let me just say what that is, just it, so it's because it, we're, we're it, it's depressing. <laughs> it, it is, it is, and so what happened is I it was I'll, I'll say it's the Australia Medical Association, but something associated with that uh, tried to suppress the release from Netflix, asked Netflix to no longer uh, make available. Um, live streaming or by dvd um the magic pill which came out a couple of weeks ago was available a couple of weeks ago an amazing documentary um over a number of different continents by the way and so the backfire is uh netflix did do the right things and not only guaranteed apparently have 12 months you know runs it they've expanded it to at least two years going to be live and maybe beyond that and they're offering the D- dvd and so it it drove it exponentially uh, in terms of its popularity. So both Netflix kudos and uh, now the word's out there probably tenfold because they tried to shut it down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a good thing, you know, bad publicity sometimes good, <laughs> yeah. negative publicity sometimes good publicity because it's publicity. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hate... You want to watch it just, just to see what it's all about, you know. That's true, that's um, true. I hate to admit it, but that's a Trumpism, by the way. That's his whole campaign is built on that. Keep your name in the news. But anyways, in this case, it went to the right direction, the right people, and it was off and away. I'm going to totally jump, um, and I'm going to go back to food. So for you, specifically, because we all have our own little, you know, we come to our little columns, and we track it, and what works for us, and we all have these personal variations, and that makes sense, because we're not all the same person. But where do you fall on... um, I'll have a couple of topics here. Where do you fall on dairy? So there is obviously milk, it's cream, it's cheese, it's butter, it's I'm 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 very strong on dairy. I I I understand that certain people have um intolerances and if if people are unfortunate enough to have an intolerance like that, they obviously have to avoid it. But if you don't have an intolerance like that, um I I really I really think it's a great thing. That being said, I, even though uh, full cream milk is is obviously the option as opposed to skim milk or, or low fat milk, I actually we don't drink milk at all. Um, so we the closest we have is half and half, mm-hmm. um, mainly um, heavy whipping cream that I put in coffee and stuff like that. And um, 
tons of butter and cheese. Um, so we, yeah, we stay away from milk mainly because there's too many carbs in it. Even, yep. even though it's full fat milk, yes, it has the fat, but if you're checking your macros, you'll see quickly that you know a couple of glasses of milk and you and you spiking the carbs still. So um, we stay away from from milk, um, but we have all the other you know products. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Dairy type products in our fridge. Good. Um, I, so one of that, and, and I'm not, uh, against anybody. Everybody makes their own decisions. So we're all, uh, grownups here. Um, what I found in, in, so my clinical experience about 16 years is that if there was one thing that I, I could, you know, in my sleep, just like your response was the ketogenic diet, you want to go down the street and tell people, I said, I can really help you. Uh, the ketogenic diet clearly would be now number one, but Prior to me understanding and knowing about that, it was having people say, and I wouldn't say, you know, down with dairy. I would say, hey, just skip dairy for two months and tell me what changes your in your life. We, we would obviously formalize this as a patient and make sure that it happens and it was good for them to do it. But it's remarkable what I saw changed, even though people said they never had a problem with it up front. And um, so I didn't know all the whys and I still don't know all the whys. And that's so it's kind of like the ketogenic diet. I had this benefit and I'm going to go find out the whys uh, as best as it's even definable out there. And so for my looking into dairy, you know, is it the casein? Is it the whey? Is it the, you know, the uh, <clears throat> uh, estrogen metabolites? Is it the IGF-1? Is it, you know, it, it goes on bigger and bigger and I don't have it all pieced together, but it's become this, I, I'm darn sure of what I've seen. You know, that's well-documented, you know, hit my, you know, it's like being hit in the hammer a thousand times. I got the point, but now I'm trying to understand the point. Um, so that's interesting. So, um, cause I find in the keto world, there's those, the, in fact, there's a local keto conference coming local. I'm in Cape Cod mass and there's one coming up in Connecticut and in which their food for everybody is going to be cheese. It's going to be wine and cheese. It's going to be grilled cheese. It's going to be fondues. And, um, and I go, wow, um, that's amazing. And so it's, it's just, a, it's like this, one of those topics that never gets quite addressed. I'm not quite sure everybody really wants to address it. Um, Dr. Westman comes pretty close, but he goes, you know, um, I tell them if they, if they can do without it, do without it, but you know, don't break your life over it kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think, like you say, it's very individual. And, um, if people are having problems of, of any kind, I definitely something that's worth eliminating for a while to see if it, if it makes a difference. Yep. Yep. So where are you on, do you ever have any, um, so we have, uh, do you take any supplements now or are you? No, well, no. Uh, so, obviously, make sure that that we get salt, but I don't consider that a supplement. Um, and every now and then, I I might uh, add uh, some magnesium, and if I feel like I'm still um, after exercising a lot and stuff, that I might um, be getting a couple of cramps and stuff, I might. Um, take a dose of magnesium but that's maybe maybe once a month mm-hmm. uh, and outside of that i don't supplement at all excellent yeah that's ditto here too um where are you on fiber what's your concept of fiber i mean do you give a who, think, who go ahead i i, I think it's a it's a, it's the root of a lot of evil <laughs> and, um i i um for the first time I've, I've got a, on our coaching course, there's a whole thing. I think I called it the scoop on poop. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but it, a, a lot of the information I got was from a, um, a Russian, uh, Russian scientist that, uh, that did a lot of uh, research on this. And I think it's a thing that a lot of people don't do research on because it's not necessarily that pleasant. Um, but his, his thing was that, that, Fiber is totally unnecessary, and, and um, all it does is actually serve to block things up even more. It doesn't, it doesn't make you regular. It actually stops you up. And um, I, I kind of buy into that too. I, I, I agree with. Have, if I read all, the, all everything that he says, his his argument makes the most sense. And Georgia Ede brought up the, the thing. So it's the first time I've heard someone else speak out about it and she has a very similar thought on that um which she actually brought up from the stage yep, yep. in florida this year 
No, it's amazing. She was uh, <laughs> the whole plant versus animals and, you know, like a knockout kind of thing. I, I appreciated that a lot. So when people, uh, do you do you do any refined foods, be it a, a protein bar or a keto bar or a, you know, any of those things? The reason I ask, because often you get on the wrapper net carbs, you know, and which is we're talking about fiber. Where, where do you fall on that? It's kind of the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, it's BS just. Or... Yeah, no, I don't. Generally, we don't have any of those of those things. I mean, you know, unless maybe I went. If I got it as a handout somewhere at some at some keto meeting or something like that, I I might try it. But right. We um, even the adapt bars and stuff, but the adapt bars at least are um, are very low in in um, in fiber yep. as well. So yep. they they because Eric is behind it, um, he's very strong on on total carbs. This net carbs thing yep. is. is especially if people are struggling or if they're just starting out it's it can get people into a lot of trouble and we don't really know for sure you know since our stomachs are not set up to metabolize the cellulose and stuff we mm-hmm. don't and, and and all the fiber we don't really know um what effect it has on our metabolism and so he's of the opinion that that uh it's total. You should look at total carbs and and try and eliminate the fiber as much as possible too. That's right. That's right. That's Glenn Finkel. Um, good comment. Yeah, we'll be interviewing Glenn and then Dr. Westman too. But neat guy. I like his thinking, uh, and, and I totally agree. You're basically a food oriented guy as much as you possibly can be. Yeah. Jeez. Um, that's. Oh, where, where are you on um, MCT oils, uh, C8 oils, any oils? You know, is it avocado, olive oil? I mean, we're. Uh, I speaking of that, I've heard I've heard some people, you know, take MCT oil and feel a burst of energy or something because it goes straight to the liver and it produces ketones or something. I I don't I don't see that. Um, I don't I don't add any MCT oils into anything that I eat. We have avocado oil and macadamia nut oil in the fridge mm. um, that we use to make ma- uh, homemade mayonnaise with uh, and every now and then for salad dressings and stuff like that. But um, we don't add it as a, um, as a, as a rule to, to our daily uh, regimen at all. Um, I, I, I don't have, a strong opinion about it either way. I just, I just don't. You found your way. You found your way. My macros are fine as they are. And I don't (laughs) add add more MCTs in. Yeah, no, it's fine. It sounds like mayo is part of your, um, your backup. I I assume, because we make our own mayo as well. So it's like, whatever you're going to eat, slather mayo on it. I mean, in terms of whether. Yeah. Homemade mayo is just the best, man. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Absolutely. Well, Doug, I'm going to let you go, and uh, you have been you've been over backwards in my perspective to have this happen, and I, I I so appreciate your time. I so appreciate your I call it innovation, um, and yeah, I would love to. You have so much in, on your plate in front of you. Um, throw out ideas, whether it's a naturopathic conference, whether it's uh, internships. All these things are are so valuable, and it's uh, so much fun to talk to you because it's that yeah. the world is changing right under our feet, and. Uh, and you're kind of like putting it all together. I sort of see you as a stitcher of stories, and and that's why you come to those conferences for, is to hear yeah, how. It's... Are you coming out in July? I'm not going to had a conflict. Um, I'm certainly going to be probably your one of your perennials for the East Coast one. Right. Uh, but okay. we, but you know that is it, it. That's that's the Hall of Fame. Your San Diego is as you say your flagship, but it's yeah. You've got to make it out to one of them one year. Um, I, I was just going to say because otherwise we could sit down and talk about it. But if you, uh, yeah. Uh, throw some ideas down and let's start let's start absolutely no i you're 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 an example of elbow grease and i i I, that's always been part of me too it's like get it going just do the work something will come up from it um well okay i am gonna end on this and 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 say goodbye and it's like uh with always the caveat of we can talk in the future about whatever it is we you know we want to talk about but um you're the guy in the know in one way, but it's mostly your story and your passion for carrying this torch uh, throughout the world. Indonesia, San Diego, uh, West Palm. I, Scandinavia would be a great place for you, by the way, um, for this conference. So 
onward and upward. We will be in touch. And yes, I will follow up on those ideas. Excellent. Thanks, man. Thanks Take for your care. Time as well. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a great call with Doug Reynolds. I really appreciate his time. And I'd have to say that if it wasn't for Doug, I wouldn't know, be exposed to the kind of uh, people. So whether it's Dr. Westman, um, some of the other speakers uh, that you get to follow up with. All the speakers are open. So you send them an email afterwards, you talk to them on the phone, and your accumulative knowledge ends up being huge. Uh, what I also want to say is that Doug represents this whole giving. I mean, his his passion is like unrestrained. He's doing it because he sees the meaning of what it was for him. Um, most of the people that I've met in this field, doctors, uh, and then one that I've interviewed for sure, they all embody that. And uh, it's very exciting. So until next interview, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. For anybody who has any questions, feel free to contact me on our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Same name as our podcast. I'm open to any questions and we plod through the good and the bad, the difficult and the easy week after week.